Yo, yo, my name is Big Lou, and you are now listening to Go Produce. We're the show that explores how music industry professionals turn their passions into profit. In this episode, we've got Ali Shafi, a human on many missions who is also one of the people behind Escapade Music Festival, Metro Metro Music Festival, and more. The Go Produce focus of this episode is what makes an event successful and what are the driving forces that maintain them. If you are interested in promoting and hosting events, then this episode is for you. Okay, okay. Thank you, Ali, for being here. I want to know that you, we do really, really appreciate your time. So why don't we go ahead and make the most of it and go produce. Listeners, let me tell you who we've got here for you today. Ali Shafi, he's the Director of Strategic Partnerships at DNA Live, which is an Ottawa event production company that runs Escapade Music Festival, some Ottawa venues, and eateries and bars like Riviera, Lower Town Brewery, Clock Tower Pub, and more. Ali Shafi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Beautiful, beautiful. Like I said, we do appreciate your time, so we're going to go right into it. Right into our first segment. The first segment of today is called, Boom, The Basics. Oh. Yeah, I saw your head bobbing. I saw your I'm hoping by the end of this, we get the whole body going. A little bit of grooving. We'll see yeah. what happens. <laughs> I was looking at the grumpy sound guy's uh, visual, actually. Ah, uh, uh, fair. He, he is comedic. He's yeah. funny looking. <laughs> okay, okay, take it easy. First question I want to start off with, Ali, is what is your first musical memory? Oof, my first musical memory. Um, I would say, I, I don't know why this is coming up to me, but maybe it's because it really got me started. Is I remember going to a beachside rave in Acapulco, Mexico. Uh, I would have probably been 18, maybe, eight, 17, 18 years old. And I don't even remember how, how I ended up doing that. It was just... I remember being in Acapulco and I think it was just some locals are like, Hey, we're going to go to this thing. And we got on a bus for an hour and, you know, it was literally in the middle of nowhere. You walk through a jungle to get there. And it was like one of the craziest experiences ever. And, you know, now, <laughs> however many years later, I'm kind of throwing similar parties. So I would say that's probably what's ingrained in my head. I think, I think we're in for one wild treat. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I could say the same. I ended up in Mexico on a bus doing some kind of crazy things, but, I didn't end up doing all of that you did. So that's kind of cool. Um, and the fact that you already said that maybe it ties into how you lived out the rest of your life. Um, I wonder, was there any musical influence before that happened? I don't think so, to be honest. Like, as soon as you asked me that question, for some reason, that's what kind of popped into my head. I mean, obviously, being in and around venues and nightclubs and everything, sure, you're around music. But in terms of, um, you know, being around music versus it influencing me, I would say that's probably what it would have been. That's super awesome. Very cool. Very cool. All right, cool. How about Escapade Music Festival? Tell us about your role in this event and how that festival came to be. Um, yeah, so I run Escapade. Um, so I'm the director of the festival. Uh, it came to be in 2010. Uh, we started with an idea of kind of just throwing a candidate party in a parking lot downtown Ottawa. We had Dead Mouse, um, you know, who is our first performer for the festival. You know, it was like, I think we did just over 2,000 people, didn't make any money, but 
for Ottawa, it was like, well, this is something cool. And, you know, from there, we kind of just started to grow. The next year, we had Tiesto in the same parking lot. We sold out. All of a sudden, we were at 5,000 people. And we're like, okay, well, we're sold out. What do we do? So, so you went from, from 2,000 to 5,000 within a year. Yeah, we went 2,000, 5,000. And then the following year, we moved out to uh, a stadium set up when we went to 15,000. So, um, you know, we're now in our last year was our 10th anniversary. It was the first year we've ever sold out of the festival, which was 40,000 people. So, um, you know, in 10 years, we went from 2,000 to 40,000. Um, and it's uh, been a pretty wild ride. It seems so. Did DNA Live stem from Escapade? Yeah, so DNA Live was essentially when we started Escapade, it was two different companies uh, that basically started it together. And then we essentially merged and created DNA Live in 2012, I think it was. Okay. Uh, so, so can you tell us what DNA Live offers separately to Escapade then? Yeah. So essentially, we're just an event production uh, business. So we produce our own events. We produce events for other people. Um, and kind of anything that's in event production, concerts, et cetera. So, you know, we've done charity events, we've done corporate events, we've, um, you know, done our own festivals. We're launching wine and food festival in November. Um, you know, we've got a children's festival that was supposed to happen this summer that's going to get pushed to next year. So really anything, um, you know, is in that festival and concert space, whether it's our own or for someone else, that's what we are. Awesome. Okay. So. I'm hearing right off the start, you've got Dead Mouse, you've got Tiesto, you've got a new company branching off of Escapade. But what initially inspired you to start Escapade? I know you, you had a conversation with a group of friends, but were you doing any kinds of event promotion before? Yeah, so I, I was always in kind of the, you know, the promoter world, let's say. I remember, uh, you know, I was doing... I was being a promoter in, I mean, Ottawa's beside Gatineau, which is Quebec. So the drinking age was 18 there, but people were drinking there when they were 15. It was kind of like the thing to do. So, uh, you know, I started doing some uh, some pub nights, let's call it, when I was in high school out in, in uh, Gatineau. And then it evolved into my last year of high school. I would have been 17 and I started doing parties in Ottawa and it was, uh, you know, West End style nightclub that was kind of a hot spot at the time. And uh, I became their in-house promoter and I was using a fake ID actually to <laughs> the owner to be able to work there. And I remember one night he actually said, hey, let me see your ID. And he looked at my ID, it was my cousin's ID. And he came to me and he said, you know what? It's a good thing you pack my bar because if not, uh, you never get in here. Because he knew it was a fake ID the whole time. Yeah, I wasn't old enough. I was in high school. It was like Thursday nights. I'd be basically, you know, skipping out on uh, school nights on my parents and saying I'm sleeping at a friend's house to go promote. So, um, Ali, people don't sneak out of their house to do that. <laughs> they don't yeah, get fake no. IDs to go and do that stuff. <laughs> no, no. That's so, awesome. That's pretty much kind of where it started. And then, um, you know, it's if I'll give you the full story, I mean, it kind of turned into... I all of a sudden took that nightclub promotion stuff and I started promoting spring break trips. Um, so I started sending all my friends and a bunch of different schools and everything to, uh, you know, Mexico on spring break for their high school grads and stuff like that. And that's probably where I first got my taste of, you know, doing these types of events. Cause I started doing these concerts in Mexico on spring break. And then you know, I said, yeah, I like this. And so there were some guys here that were doing it in Ottawa. And I said, Hey, we should look at doing this together. That's where it started. That's awesome. Okay. 
So on top of what we've already discussed, you also play a role in Riverside Festival, Metro Metro Festival, Crave Food and Wine Festival, and more. Tell us about these other event-related ventures. Yeah, so um, so Riverside is a festival that was not ours. Um, it started with our partners in Gatineau, um, I think eight years ago. Um, we got involved five years ago. Um, you know, I think it was a festival that was uh, trying to grow, but maybe just needed a little bit of strategic help in terms of how to get there. When we got on board, I think they were doing like 500 people. Um, last year, we sold out Riverside for the first year and we did 8,000 people. So in five years, we kind of grew it from 500 to 8,000. Um, great partners. Um, they're, you know, the, the DNA on the Quebec side and uh, we do a lot of stuff with them. And, you know, I think they've got a great team too. So we're excited about where that project is going. And it's cool because, you know, Escapade is usually in June, Riverside is in September. So we kind of own the beginning and the end of festival season in the, in the region. So it goes really well. Um, Metro Metro, uh, whew, that's a good one. So we- That's uh, most recent, right? Yeah, so Metro Metro, uh, we launched last year in Montreal with our partners in Montreal, which is the uh, Midway Group, which owns Beach Club uh, as their main, you know, it's like one of the best beach clubs in the world. I think it was like number 40 this year. Um, so they're partners of ours and uh, they came to us and said, hey, we should start an urban festival. And there isn't really one in Canada um, so we took the jump last year to start Metro Metro, which is an urban branded festival, um, crushed it. I think we did 35,000 people in our first oh, year, wow. um, huge, huge, huge. We had Cardi B, we had future, uh, Snoop, uh, Tyga, Sean Paul, awesome, awesome lineup. Yeah, a was, big lineup. Yeah. You know, and to be honest, it was one of the best festivals. I'm not saying it cause it's something I'm involved with, but out of all the festivals I've ever been to in terms of organization vibe, hands down one of the best festivals I've ever seen executed. So it was awesome. Um, it was supposed to happen this year in May. And fortunately with everything, it didn't pan out. We had Travis Scott who was headlining. So our lineup was Travis. Show. Yeah. Travis, Roddy Rich. Ah, sorry. 50 cent. The baby. Uh, it was, it was a tough one because we were just, you know, we were going to crush and it was the most talked about festival, I think, you know, in Canada that people were talking about. So, um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, we're going to come back to next year, you know, 10 times stronger. Exactly. So, you won't let this knock you stoked. off. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, yeah. We, I mentioned uh, Craven Food, Crave Food and Wine Festival. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. We're launching a wine and food show in Ottawa. Um, to appeal to a more, you know, business, uh, business clientele, older demographic. Um, and that's happening in November. So uh, we're excited about that one. Um, you know, and it's something that Ottawa doesn't have right now. Obviously, um, it's big in Toronto. I think there's a big one in Montreal, a big one in Calgary. So, um, you know, we know that the market needs it. So we jumped on it. Man, are you only one person? Because you're doing lots. I yeah, got, okay, I mean, what about what about what about yeah. Montebello Rock Fest? What's going on there? Uh, so Montebello Rock Fest was something that we were involved with last year, and uh, stayed. We, we ended up uh, kind of just going a different direction, and uh, the partners stayed with that. So it didn't didn't jive with kind of what our vision was. Um, so we did it for a year, and uh, you know moved on from it. Which is realistic. Not everything always goes according to plan. No, 
yeah, sometimes, you know, some partners, uh, you know, have different ideas. Sometimes certain things don't make sense in certain places or whatever. So you just got to know, you know, I'm all about driving, um, you know, being a driving force behind something until we realize, you know, it's a hundred percent not going to be feasible. You know, I'm not like a one and done kind of person. So, um, you know, we'll always give something a shot and sometimes it just doesn't work out and it's for the better. And that's that. But it's worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's worth a shot. Why with all of your history and, and your experience, why do you continue to create of the, well, despite the time, current times, why do you continue to create large scale events of like this magnitude? Is it something specifically about them that you like? Um, I love to be busy. I can't not be busy. I go crazy. I'm going crazy right now, not being as busy as I want to be. And I think that, you know, the, the rush and the motivation you get from doing bigger events is probably what drives me. I think that if I, you know, not to say that I wouldn't do a hundred person events. I mean, that's not saying that at all. We do a lot of events that are, that are smaller, whether it's a charity event or a corporate event, et cetera. But I just think that, you know, you just get like the motivation from doing something where it's like, you know, sitting out on the audience and seeing 40,000 people, like, and to be like, we did that, you know, my team and I did that, like that in itself is like, it's priceless. Okay. So a, a past guest on our show mentioned that there's a, 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 like a significant feeling that one gets when organizing or working one of these events. It's almost a moment of euphoria. And that kept him coming back from time to time. Is that something similar? Can you relate to that? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, last year, um, Escapade was a perfect example. You know, we had uh, we had Martin Garrix that was supposed to headline the festival. He ended up breaking his leg a few weeks out and wasn't able to perform. You know, we're sold out. It's, it's like one of our main headliners. What are we gonna do? Pull in some favors and you know, last minute Tiesto jumps in and Tiesto fills in for Martin Garrix and closes the festival on the Sunday night. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about yeah. it. It was like. Wow. Standing in the VIP after, you know, not sleeping for a week, setting everything up and, you know, just seeing everyone go crazy, you know, not a cloud in the sky, you know, super nice day. It's like, that's, that's, you know, you can't buy that type of, you know, euphoria. Is it, is it a fleeting moment? Does it come <sighs> and go like nothing? It fully comes and goes like nothing. Yeah. And like, does it usually come at the know? end? Like when it's yeah, almost like said think, and done, but like you still have a little bit more to do, but you can actually appreciate. No, I think it's the next morning when you uh -huh. wake up and you go back to the site and you're like, ah, oh, shit, it's over. Like all that work and it's gone. And like, you know, like people say like sometimes when you're like plan your own wedding and all of a sudden it's like you spend all year planning a wedding and then it's like it's over and you're like, yeah, I mean, it's done. You know, I think it, it does feel like that for sure. It's like. You spend all this time and, you know, it's because you don't really like, I mean, for myself, like I'm not one to the sit during the festival and like have a table in the VIP and get drunk with my friends. Like I'm not even having a drink, you know, I'm like, I'm, this has got to be flawless and, you know, we got to do what we can. So you don't really enjoy it per se. What you do is you get a sense of, you know, like you said, like a sense of euphoria or a sense of pride to know that you did it but you don't go through the festival weekend enjoying it because there's always something. So you're, you're always dealing with something. I wonder if that's what like the secret is in order to grow what you've been able to grow because a lot of people will do one or two festivals here and there, but you just, 
<laughs> you said you like to keep busy so you don't stop. I like that. No, 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 not at all. But I want to conclude this segment. Those, that was our first round. Not so basic questions. I hope you're feeling great because next up we've got our speed round. Okay, so what we're going to do in the speed round is I'm going to throw you 20 simple questions and they're designed for you to answer with just one word. Cool. So yes, no, this, that, both, neither. And then afterwards, we do have the opportunity to expand. Cuckoo? Yeah. All right, so, let's get it going. Big party or small gathering? Big party. Does your birthday always happen on the same day? Yes. Is it true that you can also speak French, Persian, and Spanish? Uh, not so much from Spanish 100%, but the others, yes. Ooh. Tea or coffee? Tea. What's the first thing you can think of that's the color blue? Swimming pool? I don't know why. I like that. Would you rather have a live-in massage therapist or a live-in chef? Chef. Is it true that in 2019, Escapade Music Festival sold out for the first time in history? That is true. That is true. 40,000 people, you said? Record time by February. Wow. That's great. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Both, I would say. All right. Ottawa is your hometown. Correct. Would you rather always get stuck in traffic or always have a really slow internet connection? <laughs> stuck in traffic. Fair. Metro Metro is a festival that's dedicated to the development of the urban music scene. Correct. Domestic or international travel? International. Do UFOs have a weight limit for carry-on luggage? No. Would you rather be poor or work at a job you love or rich and work at a job you hate? Oof. Poor working a job I love. Would you say that Crave's priority is to enable the vendors to have meaningful interactions with its attendees so that they will visit the restaurants once the festival is complete? Correct. That's the plan. Work hard or play hard? Work hard and play hard. Can you do both? I think Most you can do definitely both. you can. What's the first <laughs> thing you can think I of? I do both. So, yeah. <laughs> no choice, yes. What's the first thing you can think of that's the color red? Also a swimming pool. A fire engine? A fire truck? Fair. <laughs> Would you rather be without the internet for a week or without your phone? Uh, the internet. Does Riverside Festival take place on the grounds of the Canadian Museum of History? Correct. Cool. And would you rather hear the good news or the bad news first? The bad news. Bad news. Boom. Okay, that's fair. That's 20 questions. Boom. Ali, I want to ask you, is there anything that you want to clarify out of those 20? Did any of them stick out? Yeah, that I've been locked in the house for too long. So I gave some random color answers. <laughs> like, yeah. We, we try and throw those my into my brain like... is thinking, yeah, swimming pool and fire truck. I have no idea. <laughs> I need to get out of here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. French and Persian, you're fluent with, comfortable with. Yeah. Is that background or? Yeah, you... my background is Pers Persian. So my parents put me in 
Persian school from when I was young, like every Saturday for I don't even know how many years. So definitely fluent in Persian and French. Uh, yeah, I was in French school, French immersion my whole life. Uh, Spanish, I think I've just, you know, picked up. Uh, I can understand it pretty good. Uh, there are similarities speakers, in French and Spanish, yeah. yeah. Speak as meh, I would say, but everyone says the amount of times I've been to Mexico and the amount of work I do there, it's pretty pretty embarrassing that I can't speak it. So um, we'll see. Maybe in the next 10 years, I'll pick it up. It'll come. It'll come with time. It'll come yeah. with time. We mentioned that Escapade Music Festival sold out for the first time in 2019. And yeah. you said that it started slow, but it almost went off to a meteoric rise. When it comes back, are you trying to go bigger or are you trying to maintain what you've done? Um, I think that we still have room to grow. Um, I don't ever think that we're going to be a 50, 60,000 person festival or anything. So I think we're... we're conscious of the fact that we're in ottawa that we're electronic music etc so i think that we still got a little bit of room to grow and, and make it bigger that said we never want to go away from what made it successful you know one of the biggest things that people always said about excavate it was it was like the biggest little festival they'd ever been to you know and that's what made it cool was they didn't they didn't walk kilometers to get from one stage to the other they never felt like you know they were just overwhelmed you know you could constantly meet people because the odds of you seeing that same person again in those two days is pretty likely you know so that i think is what differentiates us from some of the other festivals in canada that are much bigger um and i think that's really what we want to keep uh you know for everyone to know escapade as right right interesting you're you're building a community, a tight knit community, if you will. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, we don't really consider them, you know, ticket buyers. We consider everyone, you know, almost a part of our family, right? So, even if you only come to us once, or you're coming, I mean, we have some people that have been escapade ten years in a row, you know, and Die-hards. they've grown with us, and you know, that that's amazing to to hear those stories every year. It's like, you know, you'll get someone will message you, be like, hey, I want to propose to my, you know, my girlfriend. We met at escapade eight years ago, or whatever it is, you know, so stuff like that is amazing. And it shows us that what our recipe is is exactly where we want it to be, where people consider us, you know, a, a family almost, and look forward to that weekend every year. That's awesome. Does that apply across all of the festivals that you are involved with, or is like your different festival have different cultures, different themes to them? Obviously, different. No, themes, I but... think I think everything is different. I think every every property that we do is is unique in its own way. Uh, you know, Riverside is is predominantly Gatineau and, and uh, French-based audience. But, you know, our model there is one stage, bunch of acts, but a lower ticket price that kind of, you know, everyone can afford. So Riverside is really dri- driven to be a really big party, while Escapade is more of a festival with multiple stages and, you know, stuff like that. So I think everything we do is is different, um, you know, and just uh whether that's the audience or whether that's it could be the site you know it's sometimes where one location is different than the next and so you really got to tailor your event based around that it's not right yeah why do you prefer bad news first um because bad news gives you it puts you in the shitter and then the good news brings you up so i'd rather have the negative come and then know that there's a positive coming behind it versus getting the positive and then having that positive be taken away quickly with the negative. But what if you're already having a bad day? 
Ben, same thing. Same thing. Is there a positive coming? If there's a positive coming, that's I'd rather have the positive last because that's what you finish on. Yeah, yeah, because that's exactly the rest of your day is going to go off of the positive because that's what you finish on. Yeah, it lingers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Um. Yes, that 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 concludes this segment. I just looked over my list, and I don't think that there is anything else that I would like to clarify. The rest of it was very straightforward. Um, I do appreciate because this segment, because there is lots to learn when you just throw questions at people. So that's why we got this one in. Okay, all right. That leads us into our third segment of today. The third segment is called, What's Yo Take? What's your take? Okay. All right. In What's Your Take, I'm going to provide you with different quotes, statements, topics, or ideas, and we just asked you to share your perspective on it. Cool? Okay. Nice and simple. Curating new and fresh events that keeps attendance high is a coin toss. You never really know what side you'll land on. What's your take? Um, Yeah, I'm I'm a 50-50 on that. I think that... uh... You're not going to curate a new event if you don't at least have an understanding of what side you think you're going to land on. I mean, so I think that uh, there's always a gamble in everything that you do. I mean, no one can predict anything, but I think that whenever you're creating a new event, you've got a you've got a vision in play, and the reason you're putting that vision in play is because you know there's got to be a demand for that type of event. So if the demand is there because you've obviously done your research, then you should come out on the right end of it. So you're doing, you're doing your due diligence. How long can that look like? How much time, for example, would you be spending on that before you take the next step? I mean, sometimes it could be, you know, weeks. Sometimes it could be years. Our wine and food show was probably four years in the making before we kind of saw that the time was right. You know, we're doing some, events now that we're about to launch given the you know covid situation that we did our due diligence in you know a month on and kind of thought okay this could work and that that couldn't work type of thing okay so yeah i think it's 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 really depends on the type of event and you know what you're trying to achieve out of the event is a big event small event how much is the investment you know obviously the higher the investment and the risk then the more you're gonna you're gonna do due diligence on yeah and once you've considered those factors what other things are you researching, like competitors? Are you are you researching demographics? What else? Yeah, obviously competitors, demographics, making sure that you've got the right venue, making sure that, you know, obviously that the numbers make sense. You know, you're not doing it and no one's doing anything to lose money, um, you know, so um, making sure that financially it's something that's a model that could work for, you know, many years to come. Um, obviously, you know, is it a high risk type of event or a low risk type of event that'll impact, you know, what kind of sponsors you can get or what kind of partners you can get or how much pushback you'll get from, you know, a municipality or a province or whatever. So I think um, there's a lot of different things that, you know, you got to consider. And that's a lot of things that most people don't consider. They think, oh, I got a bunch of money, I'm going to throw an event, you know, and it's like, all of a sudden, you know, you don't realize how many roadblocks there is till you can actually open the doors of your event. Right. Is based off of all your experience, do you now have somewhat of a formula to predict that people will attend your event? Um, I wouldn't say 
a formula per se, but I would say there's a checklist of things that we're always looking at before we do anything. You know, all those items that we talked about are things that we're, you know, anytime we want to launch something new or even an existing thing year to year, we're still going through those same those same checklists and making sure, hey, you know, is is Escapade going to check off all these boxes or, you know, has the, the times changed or the market changed or whatever? And should there be some sort of, you know, left turn that we should be making on a property? Right, right. What's about, what about, you, you mentioned it obviously varies with different events, but is there an ideal venue? Obviously, you have to consider price, but are there other kinds of factors that you consider when booking a venue for a particular event? I guess, obviously, it has to do with the event, but, you know, each event could be different. Um, but from a festival, if you're talking about a festival, you know, I think, let me ask the question in a different way. I've done a lot of different events, and I would say I've never worked in a venue that is perfect because... Every venue is going to have positives, but every venue is going to have challenges. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, Escapade right now, we think is at a, we think it's at the best venue we've done. Could there potentially be a better venue? Yes. I mean, there's, there's always going to be something better because nothing is perfect. Um, but, you know, I would say you typically looking for a venue that is either central or has you know, accessibility from, you know, public transportation, things like that. If you're outdoors, you want to make sure you've got grass. You want to make sure you're not near, uh, you know, a ton of houses. Um, if it's a music festival, um, you want to make sure, you know, you're close to um, emergency services, things like that. So, you know, I think everything is how can people get in and out? How much parking is there? Um, so there's a lot of things to consider, but, you know, uh, I don't think I've ever been to a festival site anywhere that's been a perfect venue. Flawless execution, yeah. Has there ever been a situation, no need to name drop, but where you held a, an event or a festival or, or a small gathering, whatever it may be, and the venue just w did not cut it? It was far from ideal. It was the opposite. And because of that, it was a failure. Did that ever happen? Um, I would say I don't. I can't think of one where it became a failure. Was there a venue that didn't cut it? hundred percent. But, you know, luckily I've got a strong team and, you know, we're able to make anything work, I would say. Um, but, you know, for sure um, there's been venues, there's been tons of venues we've worked with that have not cut it and we've never gone back to. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's caused any of our events to become a failure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Above all else, attendees showing up to an event is what makes it successful. What's your take? Mm -hmm. 100%. I mean, if people don't show up to an event, you have no event. I agree. So more, more than, more, would you say more than the entertainment or any factor solely because of that? Like, if your entertainers don't show up, is that horrible or? Um, well, obviously, if an entertainer doesn't show up, then, you know, the person who showed up to see that entertainer's, entertainer is going to come at you and say, well, I paid money to see XYZ and they're not here. Um, but I think that if you've got a strong enough brand and event that people will show up regardless of the entertainers, you know, and Escapade is probably a perfect model for that. You know, we were 70% sold out of the festival before announcing any single artist, you know, so people realize what they're getting and you know they know that our lineup is going to be strong 
They know that the experience is going to be good. So for us, that's more important than, you know, not to say that it's than any artist we book. Obviously, the artist plays a huge factor. We wouldn't be where we are if we didn't pick the right talent or the right venue or whatever. But I think that once you earn your attendees' trust in any type of event, really doesn't matter if it's a small event, large event, food event, music event, once you earn their trust, then they'll keep coming back. So in reality, if you don't have attendees, you don't have an event. It's so true. But you, you, like, you legit built the built i want to say from the ground up with this festival and you've got a reputation you've got like a package that is expected that you deliver time in and time out but what's your take on you're only as good as your last event um yeah like i mean we're not perfect so we know that every time we do an event that we need to look at the things that we did wrong and make sure we better them for the next time so, you know, yeah, last year we had a great festival, you know, we sold out, weather was beautiful, you know, artists all performed. These are things that next year we're going to change 100%. I mean, we already know we've got a laundry list of things that we're going to do differently. You know, if, if someone was on this show and they said, I went to Escapade in 2010 and then I went to Escapade in 2020, like, or 2019, I mean, they would be like, blown away at how different it's been but i think anytime if you're an event producer of any kind and you just try and replicate the same successful model you've had over and over and not really change it you're eventually going to fail because that's not keeping up with you know the time so there's no there's never a perfect model no one's ever perfect so if you do something you got to make sure that the next year it's better yeah I hear you. I hear you. <clears throat> what do you think of the phrase bite off more than one can chew in relating or in relation to creating and managing multiple events? Um, guilty. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I promise this wasn't directed towards you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, as a, as an event producer, you always kind of want to try and, you know, I would say in my earlier years, it was like, you know, let's do everything and anything. And, you know, we'll try all the ideas and didn't really think it through. Now, you know, there's some events that we've been doing for years that make us money and we've stopped doing them because it's like, it doesn't really make sense because we're doing this event for, you know, to, to hopefully make this much money, but instead we're sacrificing this other event that could do significantly better, you know? So now our model has changed and we're more like, Let's, let's focus on what we can do, what we've got the time to do, and let's perfect those events and not worry about trying to, you know, take on something that, you know, we're going to basically go, we're going to half-ass it. Like, that, that, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. You're wasting your own, everyone's time if you do that. Yeah, yeah. So. How do you manage such a workload then? Like, every time you bring on a new event, do you, do you hire new employees or...? What? So we're actually only a team of three full-time people. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would say I am, I am exactly, uh, you know, I've got two other people that are the same mindset as me and work just hard. And, you know, we do what some people do with 20, 30 employees. We do with like three. Um, but, you know, does that mean that 
we don't bring on other people. No, I think every project we do, we bring on more people for those projects, um, you know, but it's more of a case by case. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's really like, you got to find the right people on your team. You that know? was my and, next question. You know, like and make sure that they're, they jive with you and that you're able to kind of have this be on the same wavelength. And, you know, once you got people that are on the same wavelength as you, like you can do 10 times more, you know, you can do anything. Yeah. Like, so, um, you know, knock on wood, we've been lucky and, um, you know, we're doing well. That's impressive. When, uh, what, between the three of you, how do you have, this is flabbergasting for me. Yeah. What kind of marketing strategies do you do you put in place? Like, is one person responsible for all the talent buys, logistics, planning? How do you maneuver that with just a small team like that? Yeah, I would say everyone wears a lot of hats, you know. So um, we've got one person who does marketing, who's also involved in talent buying, who's also involved in artist artist relationships, and we've got another person who's involved in operations, but is also involved in you know partnerships and is you know in 10 other things, you know, myself, like I, you know, I'm involved in kind of a bit of everything. So, you know, I'll oversee stuff from talent, marketing, operations, logistics, uh, kind of the whole shebang. So that's why we come together as a unit where everyone kind of knows everything that's going on. So it all just kind of, it just works, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, people have the same, same reaction when I'm like, yeah, we're three full-time people. I mean, yeah, we've got, you know, 10 part-timers or whatever it is, but, you know, and from a full-time perspective, we're three people in the office every day. That's it. That's all. Um, you know, and we just, we're just always in tune with each other. So, um, yeah, exactly. We're, we're a cohesive unit. Yeah. For young event promoters, what do you believe is the most important one of everything that you just spoke of to get or begin accomplishing to your level or to something similar along your levels. You mentioned a team because you can't do everything by yourself. Uh, but how does one find a team? Like you didn't just, hello, now we're on a team and we're going to change the world. What happened there? Um, well, all of us at some point worked together on some level on something, whether it was an event together or whether it was, you know, uh, you know, Alex, who does our talent buying and our marketing, you know, he used to be a promoter for us, um, you know, and kind of worked his way up the ladder and then, you know, ended up being a full-time person. So I think um, it really, you know, it's not like, hey, I'm going to have a job posting and I'm going to, you know, interview 20 different people. Sure. Yeah. You might find somebody through that. But at the same time, I think that your comfort level with whoever you're going to work with needs to be something, you know, they've got to be they've got to have the same vision. And if they've got the same vision, then you've probably dealt with them on some other level at some point on something. Um, you know, what do I say to a young person that's trying to get in the game? I think, you know, it sounds silly because everyone says dream big. Like I don't necessarily believe in the dream big. I think that if you start small, the big will come. Like if you execute, you know, a, if you're trying to do a festival, don't think that you're going to launch something tomorrow and get 30,000 people start with an event, you know, start with grow that and build that like we did and take the baby steps. Everyone wants to run, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge believer in walk before you run, you know, don't, because if you try and run right away, you know, it's not going to work. You're going to fall. You're going to break ankles. 
You're going to have two knee surgeries like I did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we won't get into that. <laughs> it's not going to work. So, you know, start small. Don't, don't look at the big guy and be like, I'm going to be him next year because it's going to take time. I mean, it took me time. You know, it's not like I was the first person that did it, you know, for me to become what the bigger guys were in Ottawa it took time. So uh. I hear you. Beautiful, Ali. That is that segment. We are now on to our fourth segment. The fourth segment is a wheel challenge. We're going to have some fun with this one. In the wheel challenge, I'm going to spin the wheel for you, and you're going to have to complete whatever task is assigned. You probably can't see it so well, but that's okay. I will make sure that you are up to date. Um, any questions? Nope. Okay, nope, let's do it. No, nope, no, nope. this will be fun. Let's see it. All right. Okay, I really like this one. I'm glad I asked you earlier if you have a pen and a paper because you are going to be drawing blindfolded, my friend. Oof, We're nice. not actually going to blindfold okay. you, <laughs> but okay. we asked you just not to look down at your paper. You can look at the screen, okay. you can look up, do whatever you like, but you've got 10 seconds to draw a simple item. We're going to try this three okay. times, okay? You ready? I'm ready. Oh, you're in it. Okay. Yeah. So the first drawing I want you to draw is a river. Ten seconds, go. A river? A river. Five, four, three, two. All right, that's time. Let's see what you got. Angry sound guy, what is that? Oh, he's giving you the bell. It's good. That's good. That's, that's, that's one good. point yeah, for you. That's good. Okay, okay. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see if you can keep it up. Keep it up. Your next object will be to draw a wine glass. Five seconds. Good. You're good to go? All right, let's see it. Done. Done. No time. Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's another bell. You're two for three. You're killing it. Can you get a perfect two score? Two for two. Two for two. Two for, oh, it's, oh two my for goodness. <laughs> yeah. Jumping the gun here. Come you on. are two for two. Can you make it three for three? The third object is a heart eye emoji. A heart eye emoji? Yeah, the emoji with heart eyes. Good luck. Oh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. Ten. Five seconds. Yeah. Get to go. All right, let's see it. Uh, oh wow! What do we think? Ah. <laughs> so I guess I was right with two for three. Mm. What does a heart emoji look like? Isn't that pretty close? I, 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 to be honest, I would have given you that one and not the river. But yeah, hey, here we are. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at an emoji now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Two for three for next time. That's awesome. There's only one way I like to describe that challenge, and it's a wheel challenge. This time it wasn't for me. It was, 
I guess it wasn't so much for you either, but we like to have some fun with that. Okay, now time for our final segment of the show. This, sh this segment is called Clear the Air. In this segment, we're going to ask you to be honest about challenges within the industry. Essentially, we want to help others become better and avoid unnecessary hurdles. So the first question is, what makes an event successful and how do you measure that success? Um, I mean, I would think a lot of things make an event successful. Um, you know, number one, obviously, everyone always says, okay, well, did the event make money? So yes, uh, you know, does an event make money? Does that, is that a level of success for sure? That said, you know, is a level of success also... You know, um, the reactions of people at the event, the reactions of people after the event, you know, how safe was your event? Um, you know, how did the artists um, or, you know, let's say the performers or whatever it was, how did they enjoy your event? So I think all those are things that you've got to take into account for sure um, to measure the success of an event. Um, what was the second question? Uh, how do you measure it? How do you measure it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's you pretty much really that, like... Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I wonder did did success for an event look different ten years ago than it does today? Um, I would say yes because ten years ago I was young and just getting in the game, and the only thing I thought about was you know how much money can I make, you know, or can I make money for that matter. Um, while now it's not measured by that, it's measured by you know growth and measured by you know, being able to continue to build strong events that, you know, people keep coming back to. I don't think 10 years ago when we started, we were thinking of like, hey, next year we should do this and this and this. Like, you know, it's not where we are now. There's, you're literally looking at every single aspect of an event that you've run and, you know, how to improve that. How about from the public eye? Did success change from their perspective? Do you think? Yeah, social media. I think, you know, for sure, 10 years ago, you would do an event and sure, there might have been a little bit of social media, but, you know, people wouldn't be posting about how good or bad an event was based on, you know, pictures they could say or comments they could write on, you know, on Facebook or whatever. So I think for sure, that's a huge measuring stick because even if someone goes to an event and thought it was great and then goes onto your page and reads somebody say, oh, well, I thought this sucked or that sucked. Now their visions maybe change. Like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that did suck. No, I didn't like the event as much. So um, for sure it's changed. Interesting. We mentioned your partners already. How, how have your various partnerships perhaps outside of that affected your, your success in events? What do you mean? You, you had your two immediate partners, but you've also had to secure partnerships with different kinds of people um, to create what you did onto that level. How would you say those relationships affected uh, the success and, and the role that they played in that? Yeah, I would say that every every um, you know event that we have that has a partnership um, to it, those are strategic partners that we've aligned ourselves with to make sure that that event can be the most successful you know possibly it can be right. So you know with Escapade we had. Obviously, we were our own, uh, we had our group of partners and, you know, three years ago, we created a partnership with, um, you know, the beach club guys in Montreal. And um, it was a strategic partnership because we saw how many people were coming from Quebec. 
And we knew that, you know, 30, 40% of our audience was already coming from there. So it made total sense to, you know, bring on partners that, you know, benefited by being involved with something in Ottawa, while we also benefited by having them get involved with us when we already had that audience. So, um, you know, I think that everything, um, everything, when you, when you bring on a partner, it's not just because they're a buddy of yours or because, you know, they've got, you know, money to invest or whatever it is. I think it really, you got to look at the partners and say, okay, what are they going to do for the growth of our festival, you know, or our, or our events, you know, two years ago with, yeah, two years ago with Escapade, we brought on Live Nation as a partner. You know, it was a great move for us um, because they brought a lot of knowledge and they brought a lot of value in terms of partners and, you know, things like that, that, you know, really helped the festival go to the next level. Um, so I think everything, um, yeah, it's, it just needs to make sense. Just like, just like an employee, you know, a partner needs to make sense. So you've got to be able to drive with them. How do you keep up with event industry trends and news to ensure your attendance continues to grow? Are you talking um, to sp- people strategically, that kind of stuff as well? Yeah, I think for sure you need to be, you know, you need to have relationships with everybody in the industry because I think that, you know, the common goal is regardless of whether you've got a competing event or whatever, you know, everyone's common goal is to make sure that whatever that industry is, whether it's electronic music or urban music or wine and food or whatever it is, you know, we're all in the same industry and we want that industry to flourish and to keep getting better. So you want to make sure that you've got a lot of allies in the industry because you're all trying to achieve the same thing. Um, So it's important to always be communicating with other people at the same time. It's important to see what's going on around the world. You know, I think um, Canada is great in terms of the types of events we do, but there's some things that work in Europe or work in Asia or work in Mexico that, you know, aren't necessarily happening here in Canada that maybe you can introduce into an event or vice versa, you know, maybe stuff that happens in BC or whatever. So I think, um, you're always looking at what's going on around the world. You're always looking at what's going around in your market. And then at the same time, I really rely on my team. Like I think my, my staff is what will bring in, you know, ideas or say, Hey, I think this is something we should look at, or this is an artist that, you know, is going to blow up. And, you know, I think a lot of times with our artists, like we've, you know, we've booked stuff on, on shows that I have no idea who the artist is. And it's like, trust me on this one, this is going to be good. And they've all been home runs, you know? So um, you really got to learn to trust um, everyone around you. That's wild. Cool. How do you suggest handling negative PR? <sighs> it's pretty much something that can happen at any moment in time, right? So how do you yeah. ensure that you're, you're best prepared? I mean, I would say probably being straightforward and honest, you know? I think like, especially nowadays in, you know, with the social media era and everything, like trying to mask something and, and, you know, try, you can't pull a fast one on anyone. Like there's no, there's always going to be someone that's going to try and, you know, uncover whatever it is you're trying to, to cover up, you know? So there's no point in trying to pull a fast one. So if something goes wrong or you got to deal with it, you got to just, you know, own up own up and say, Hey, this is what happened. And this is what we're going to do to fix it. Yeah. You know, I think along. Yeah. It's exactly be an adult. And I think we've done that with a lot of our events where we've had issues. It's like, no, it is what it is. This is what happened. You know, we're sorry. 
yeah, I think honest, like it sounds corny, but like honesty is the best policy. Like that I think is really important in the event. It world. goes a long like, way. Going, yeah, don't go silent. You've done something. Don't go silent. People go crazy over that. Yeah, you're you're literally only going to make the problem worse. Yeah. So and it's, it's tough. I mean, we've you know, it's, it's it's really tough to to say that and trying to actually execute it because you don't want to be honest. You don't want to just like, like, because you know that the negativity that's going to come out of it is going to be like 10 times worse. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you got to be like, and I think that's, people will eventually understand. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, And if I wanted to create my own festival, what's the first piece of advice you give me to get started on the right path? One actionable item. Um, your first find a venue, find a venue because yeah, because before you can book any tickets, book any artists, sell any tickets, you know, you find out who your partners are or suppliers or your sponsors, or whatever, you have a venue because if you don't have a venue, then I mean, at least in Ottawa, like the city's not going to tell me to go forward. So I'm already, if I don't have a venue, I'm already stopped. There's, there's no there's no two ways about it right and finding a venue means building a relationship with the people at the venue it's not necessarily like oh here there's more right. to it but yes cool that is one good actionable step thank you thank you very much for that last question do you smell that the air it's so fresh and so clean right now because we just finished clearing it wow 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 thank you so much and that brings us to the very end of this show uh, this was very awesome thank you I hope you had a fantastic time Ali yeah, thanks for having me. Beautiful. I, I asked you for lots of final words already, but do you have anything that you want to add that you didn't already say? Or, and, or, is there any social media platforms that you want to be shared here as well? Um, yeah, I mean, like our Instagram is at DNA Live and at Escapade MF. Um, or if you go to dnalive.ca, um, which is our website, that has every property that we're involved with um, on it, including Riverside, Crave, Metro Metro. So I would say, you know, go to our website, dnalive.ca, follow us, see what we're all about. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Awesome. Next, I'd like to thank our listeners. Thank you so much for joining because without you, obviously we wouldn't have a show. Shout out to Prevail Media Group. Without the venue and without the team, this wouldn't be a thing. Angry Sound Guy, I was going to forget you this time, but I didn't. Thank you for doing what you do. And last but not least, Ali Shafi. It was an honor having you on the show. Many thanks. Thanks a lot. We out. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this, then follow us on Instagram at go.produce. Check out our show notes, support us on Patreon, and help us grow this community. All of this and more can be found on our website at goproduce.ca. I am Big Lou, and I want to make sure that until next time, you go produce. <laughs>